Blog Talk Radio. You open the shop. Children of all ages, 80s Wrestling Radio proudly presents to you the greatest tag team of the 80s. I'm one of your hosts, Jumping Jay, sitting alongside my tag team partner, Tommy Fierro. Tommy, how are you doing tonight? Jay, what's going on, man? It's been an exciting episode tonight. We're talking 80s wrestling tag teams. And boy, is there a lot to choose from. I'm really curious to hear what the listeners out there uh, what they have to say about who they think was the greatest tag team of the 80s. There are several choices, and uh, any one is not the wrong one. So it should be a very interesting episode tonight. We're going to talk 80s wrestling tag teams. And before we get into it, let me give the telephone number to call in if you want to call in and, and talk 80s wrestling tag teams with us and who you think was the best and why. Uh, grab a pen real quick, guys, and I'm going to tell you number right now. It's area code 323 nine two seven two nine five three once again that's area code three two three nine two seven two nine five three the greatest tag teams of the eighties should be a very interesting topic tonight Jay but before we get into the eighties wrestling tag teams want to uh, quickly mention about eighties wrestling con two which is taking place on Saturday, October the 26th at iPlay America in Freehold, New Jersey. Tickets are going to be going on sale in the upcoming weeks. We're going to uh, tell you the exact date on our Instagram and also here on 80s Wrestling Radio. If you, if you don't follow us on Instagram for some reason, it's at 80s Wrestling. Very easy to remember, at 80s Wrestling. But we should be mentioning it here on the radio show first. I'm assuming that they'll go on sale within the next couple of weeks, next two to three weeks, but we'll give you a firm date and we'll get the website updated. We're just waiting on a, a couple more uh, uh, people that we're hearing from and then we'll announce everything. But the cool thing is, Jay, is that we have 14 confirmed guests so far for October the 26th. That's right, 14, and we're still working on a couple more. Uh, we're crazy just like the first time. So uh, without any further ado, I'm going to run those uh, the list of guys down now. Confirmed for 80s Wrestling Con 2, once again on Saturday, October the 26th, in Freehold, New Jersey at iPlay America, the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, with Virgil, his bodyguard, will be at 80s Wrestling Con 2, along with former WWF World Heavyweight Champion, Bob Backlund, also appearing as another former WWF World Heavyweight Champion, Sergeant Slaughter. The, uh, the, the topic of tonight's show is 80s tag teams. Well, here's two uh, guests that will be appearing at 80s Wrestling Con 2, Axe and Smash Demolition, and B. Brian Blair and Jumping Jim Brunzel, The Killer Bees. Uh, Demolition and the Killer Bees will both be at 80s Wrestling Con 2, along with the Brooklyn Brawler, Tugboat, the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, former WWF Tag Team and Intercontinental Champion, Marty Jannetty, and the Brooklyn Brawler. Did I say Brooklyn Brawler yet or no? Yeah, you mentioned him once already. I'm sorry, uh, Tugboat. Tugboat will be the 14th guy appearing at 80s Wrestling Con 2. So mark it on your calendars now. It's Saturday, October the 26th, Freehold, New Jersey. I play America. Once again, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase with Virgil, Bob Backlund, Sergeant Slaughter, Demolition, Brutus, the Barber Beefcake, Tugboat, the Brooklyn Brawler, the Killer Bees, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Marty Jannetty, and the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, all appearing and uh, we're working on a couple more, too, man. So it's going to be pretty exciting. That's quite the lineup already, Tommy. I don't know how you can improve on that. Those are some big names already confirmed for 80s Wrestling Con 2. That's amazing, Tommy. 
Yeah, man, I'm I'm excited for it, man. And speaking of of uh, I Play America, we're we're also gonna have check this out, Jay. Uh, if you follow us on '80s Wrestling on Instagram and also on Twitter and Facebook, we announced recently that the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels will also be appearing at I Play America, and that's gonna be on Saturday, July the 13th, uh, in Freehold, New Jersey, from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. Tickets are available now for that. If you go to their website, iplayamerica.com. Once again, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, July the 13th from 12 to 3 p.m., I Play America. That's just going to be the kickoff to 80s Wrestling Con 2. Look at that. You could come early, come to the July 1, meet Shawn Michaels, come back in October, meet his tag team partner, Marty Jannetty. Look at you could bend, you, you can get the whole Rockers uh, in one year. You can meet them both. You can't beat that. <laughs> hey, and speaking of the Rockers, man, they they were one of the one of the big teams of of eighties wrestling, and uh, as a kid, they were one of my favorite tie teams, and I'm sure they were yours as well, Jay. And I'm sure a lot of people out there listening. And once again, if you want to call in and, and talk about your favorite eighties tie team, the number once again is area code three two three nine two seven two nine five three. Who was the greatest tag team of eighties wrestling? I guess we'll get into it right now, Jay. Uh, I'll get your take and I'll, uh, your uh, opinion and my opinion. Who Who was your favorite? Not who necessarily was the best, but who was your favorite 80s tag team? Well, I'm glad you said that, uh, that you clarified there, not who I think was the best, but who was my personal favorite. Uh, my personal favorite tag team of the 1980s was Axe and Smash Demolition. I grew up a World Wrestling Federation fan. I was a WWF kid, and so for me, it was demolition. It was axe and smash all the way. Uh, looking back now, uh, having the opportunity to, to learn about other tag teams later on in life, uh, my opinion of who's the best is uh, different than my favorite, but definitely as a kid, my favorite was demolition. Tommy, what about yourself? Uh, like you, Jay, I, I grew up, and I, I mentioned this in the past on the show, I grew up a big WWF fan as well. I mean, I watched WCW, uh, NWA back then and then WCW, but I was always a WWF kid growing up and the WWF guy. Um, and guess what? I'm with you. My favorite tag team as well was nice. Smash Demolition. They, they were my favorite. So, you know what? It, it's, I'm really excited. They're, they're going to be at 80s Wrestling Con 2 on October 26th because of all the shows I ever ran throughout the years and never had them before. And I'm really looking forward to having them because uh, they were my favorite team uh, as, as a child growing up. And I know that there's a, a, for years, there's been so much comparison between the LOD and demolition. Mm-hmm. And, and let me yeah, clarify absolutely. something. Demolition was my personal favorite team as a, as a child. I'm not saying that they were the greatest team of the eighties because uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I guess I'll tell you who I think was the greatest team of the 80s now. It was probably the Road Warriors, the Legion of Doom. How about you? Nope, I'm right there with you, Tommy. I think the Road Warriors were by far the most dominant tag team of the 1980s. But to be honest with you, when I grew up a Demolition fan, I had not heard of the Road Warriors at that point, and I did not know that Demolition was this supposed uh, ripoff or Vince McMahon's version of the road warriors. I just fell in love with demolition for the presentation that I saw on the screen later on when I was introduced to the road warriors uh, or the Legion of doom as they were known in the world wrestling federation. I could understand the comparisons uh, and Hawk and animal, definitely a dominant tag team. Um, But again, fan favorite as a child was demolition. Let me ask you this, Tommy, what was it about demolition that caught your eye as a young fan? I think it was everything, man. I think it was, I think it was their look. I think it was their makeup. I think it was their music. I think it was their moves. Um, you know, I was just thinking while you were talking. I remember as a as a as a kid going to uh, the arenas every month because back back when I was a kid, they they had it at the arena by my house every month, and my parents would take me every month. And you know, the cool thing was is like back when they used to have like the wrestling music, like pile driver and you know demolitions theme song and 2d fruity and land of a thousand dancers they would they would always show all the music videos on the tvs and like the concession area where you'd go to get your 
popcorn and your soda and your T-shirts and posters. And I always used to like really look forward to when they they played Demolition. You know that song was so awesome. I think that the song is what made it for me. Like here comes the yak, and here comes the smasher. Like dude, when that came on, man, like. I still like I still as an adult, a forty two year old man, like I get chills when I hear that man. Like it was so awesome. I, I think that the music and the look and the makeup and everything and, and there were bad guys back then, like and back in nineteen eighty seven, nineteen eighty eight, it wasn't really cool to like cheer on the I mean they eventually turned good. But uh it, it wasn't like the in thing that the the root on the bad guys back then. Uh but man, there was just something about them that really captivated me. They made it cool to uh, to root for the bad guys. Uh, even as a kid, when you weren't supposed to do that, I agree. You, you fell in love with their presentation. And here's the thing. We talk about the 1980s being the golden era of the sport, and we usually think of the names like Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Andre the Giant, but it was also the golden age of tag team wrestling because of what you were talking about. It was a package. It was the whole presentation. It wasn't two guys who creative didn't know what to do with it. They just stuck together and pushed through the curtain. These were guys that had a team name. They had a common team theme song. They had matching attire. They had a duo finishing move that they performed together. They were a team by every definition. And so as soon as that music hit, as soon as they came through the curtain, you were hooked. It was the golden age of tag team wrestling, Tommy. I can't agree more, Jen. And another cool thing, I'm sure you remember this, man. And what a what a what a what a memory this was is. You remember the Royal Rumble when Axe and Smash were number one and two? How cool was oh, that? Oh my man? word! That was bananas. That was absolutely crazy to see that. And they went after it. They they wrestled each other. They just didn't sit there and wait for number three to come down. They stood in the ring. They stared each other. They went toe to toe. That was a moment. Uh, that you'll never forget. That was amazing. Tommy, uh, this is a good topic because the lines are already blowing up. we got a caller on line number one. I haven't had a chance to answer it off air, so we're going to answer it live on air together. Here we go. Hello, welcome to 80s Wrestling Radio. You're live on the air with Tommy and Jay. Who is this? Hello. Caller, hello. Hey, how are you? Good. What's your name, sir? Uh, Britain. Britain, welcome to 80s Wrestling Radio. You're live on the air. We're talking the greatest tag teams of the 1980s. What's your opinion? I've got to go Hit, Hitman and Nightheart Heart, Heart Foundation. Great pick. I, I mean, great pick. You, I got to say, Britain, they're I up mean, there. They're up there. I mean, you look at overall technical ability. You've got the Hitman. You've got the powerhouse of Jim Anvil, and I mean they dominated the '80s. Uh, you know their matches with Demolition, with the Road Warriors, with the Bulldogs, uh, even when the Rockers, even when the Rockers beat them for the titles that nobody ever talks about. That's not even recognized. <laughs> period. Yeah. I mean they put on some fantastic matches, and I mean they were they were one of the, in, in my opinion, probably the best tag team in that era as far as power with the anvil, like I said, and then um, the ability of the hitman. I mean, he just, they were good. Um, let me ask you a question. I mean, you, Britain, let me ask yes, you, let me ask you a question, Britain, as, as a fan yes, of, of the heart, of the heart foundation, uh, how cool, cause I was a fan of those guys too. when I was a kid, how cool was it to see Brett, the hitman heart, uh, you know, branch off and like win the Intercontinental title and then go on to win the, the WWF World Heavyweight title? I think it was cool. I mean, you see a lot of a lot of tag teams go through their their you know, their ups and downs and then you saw some of them break up here and there and watching the Hitman, you know, kind of break off from the anvil and and, you know, go in the IC title and then go to win the you know, win the world title. I mean, that was really you know, that really propelled his legacy. I think it did. I mean, I think that put him, you know, into probably one of the, you know, top tiers of one of the best wrestlers that we ever saw come up come up from the 80s and into the 90s. Even when he went to WCW, he was still a solid performer. 
Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, now that you mentioned that, and I, I was thinking this while you were talking, and they might have wrestled in the – and, Jay, you can correct me if I'm wrong. They might have wrestled in, like, the mid-'90s. Uh, I'm pretty sure maybe they did. I'm not 100% maybe they didn't. But they missed a big opportunity when, when Brett was – when they broke off and Brett was, you know, a baby face and he won the Intercontinental title. Like, how cool would it have been to have this Nighthawk turn on him and had a had a run with the Intercontinental title like program between uh, Bret Hart and Jim Nighthart in that that time period in the late eighties. I think it would have been. I don't think it would have went over as as good as it did when they broke the Rockers up. How about I you mean, if if, if just, Listen, that's I, just I, my opinion. As you're talking about this, the rocker split on the barber shop is one of the most iconic segments in the history of professional wrestling. Everybody who was watching at that time remembers that, uh-huh. remembers what they felt. I'm trying to rack my brain. When the Hart Foundation split up and Brett went on his amazing solo run, they really didn't have the on-air breakup like the rockers did. Uh, am I right about uh, that? There was real no dramatic breakup. No, there 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 wasn't a dramatic breakup. It it just it just kind of happened behind the scenes, um, and you know it it they they just kind of pushed him in the singles direction. I mean, I mean, let's look at it. You know, when that happened, you know, the Anvil and Brett they had kind of gotten stale, and they needed something new and different. And the singles competition had had gotten, you know. Uh, a, a little stale and you know they had moved the warrior on i think that was uh when correct me if i'm wrong and i'm, I'm I, I may be when because the warrior won the ic title from rude in what 88 so that or from the honky tonk man SummerSlam 88 is that correct yes and then he, uh, he carried the ic title yeah, for, he, he carried yes. it for a while with with him and Rude back and forth, and that kind of got stagnant still, and then they pushed the Warrior up to, you know, the world title, and that's kind of when they brought Brett in, uh, you know, as I see, you know, Intercontinental run, um, but I think everything was behind the doors, and, and I think the Hart Foundation had kind of got stale and stagnant, and they were trying to bring, you know, something new into the IC run, and, and they needed, you know, um, New tag teams. That's when demolition got hot too. Was that? I, I think after the Heart Foundation left. I, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm trying to follow my time. I'm, I'm trying to follow my timeline here in in my head. And I think when Heart started going for the IC title run, that's when demolition kind of kind of became more popular. I believe you're right. I believe you're right. Jay's the wrestling guru. Jay, is that, is that a red, that's, that sounds about right, right? Listen, man, it's conversations like this that make you realize how old we are and just how long ago <laughs> this stuff yeah. took place. But I'm, I think I think I'm you're 30, at least in the I'm ballpark. I'm 38. I'm 38, and I've been watching wrestling since I was probably five and six years old. And what what they have there now does not compete with what they had back in the day. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. I think athletic. Athletic ability, I think the guys today are fantastic athletes. But I don't think they hold a candle. The story, the storylines back then were so much better. You had more people going after the titles. You had, you know, not you had feuds with multiple people and not just the same thing over and over and over and over. It, it wasn't Seth Rollins, Baron Corbin, you know, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns stuff. It was you had Mr. Perfect, you had the Honky Tonk Man, you had you know Bret Hart, you had Tatanka even, you know all these guys are going after the Intercontinental Title. You had you had your two main guys going after the World Title, but you know down the line you you had multiple teams competing for the you know the tag team titles. You had multiple people competing for the IC title, and I think that was a really good era of professional wrestling at that time. I think it's good entertainment Absolutely. now because of what you get to watch and the athletic ability that you get to see with like Ricochet and the guys on 205 Live and and those guys. But the, the storylines, the the it just it was just much better back then. 
I'll tell you what, man. We 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 always appreciate an educated caller, and, and you definitely were. We we appreciate you calling, and we uh, we urge you to please call back in the future. We're live every Monday night after Monday Night Raw. Uh, we enjoyed listening to you, man. Thank you so much for calling. Yeah, buddy, I appreciate y'all. Have a great night, and hopefully, I get a call in uh, next week. Sounds yeah, good. Thank you, Stuart. Call, call back. Y'all take care. See, man, I. I I, I like listening uh, to callers like that, Jay. Like that was very, very, very. I, I love people that know eighties wrestling, and, and that's why we do this show. And you know, he he made a really good point talking about how like there were so many contenders back then uh, for the tag team titles, and there was. And and one of the things they did to to do that, and when he said that, like it just it just dawned on me. Like you remember the old WWF programs, and in the back of the program. It would be a, uh, I forgot what it was called. Uh, it could be like a chase for the gold or something like that. But like, you'd have a picture of the champion, and then a couple little square boxes of a couple of the top challengers. And they'd always have that for the world title, the intercontinental title, and the tag team title, and the women's title. And uh, you know, he's right. You know, I mean, there was a lot more than just like one story. You know, nowadays, like it's one guy going for the title or one guy. Actually, you don't, I take it back. You don't even know who the number one contender is, uh, or the, who the, the top couple contenders are, and, and it, that's what—that's a big thing that's different uh, now than it was back then. Do you remember those programs that I'm talking about? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Knowing who was in the chase for the gold, who was the number one, number two that's contender. What, that's what it was called, I think. That's when championships meant something in the world of professional wrestling. And as a fan, you bought in, you believed, you rooted for your team. Uh, you wouldn't have as many big matches every week like they do now. And so when a pay-per-view came around and your team or your guy got his chance uh, to either fight for a championship or to move up to the number one contender spot, it just felt like it meant more. I think I think overall, just like Britt said, in the 80s, everything just felt like it mattered more singles competition, tag team competition. Uh, and he was right on the money with the Hart Foundation. They were a fantastic team to watch. And they captured the gold on a couple of occasions. And you love to root for them. Um, I was hoping, I, I should have asked Britt um, if he saw in Brett that solo run that was coming his way when he was cheering on the Hart Foundation. I think it's very interesting that two of the top wrestlers in the 90s and beyond came from dominant tag teams in the 80s. I just think it's cool that both Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels started their career uh, as tag team competitors and then went on to uh, achieve such great things in the sport. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, I, I, have to, I have to rewind my own... Uh, thing that I said earlier, I said that Demolition was my favorite 80s tag team of all time. As an adult, looking back, they are. But as a kid, I have to I have to take back what I said. Uh, overall, now that I'm a grown man, I look back like Demolition was my favorite. But as a kid, uh, Jay, uh, there's no question, 100%, and that's why I have to take back what I said. Uh, as a kid, my favorite tag team was the Dynamite Kid and David Boy Smith, the British Bulldogs. Uh, I remember at WrestleMania two, I watched it on closed circuit TV. It was at William Patterson College in Wayne, New Jersey. And I watched them win the WWF tag team titles from Rick the Hammer Valentine and Brutus Beefcake. And I remember being so excited that I cried as a little kid watching the British Bulldogs win the tag team titles. That's how much I liked them. So I have to take back what I said. Uh, overall, now, Demolition is my favorite team. But as a kid, man, uh, growing up, there's no question in my mind I have to I have the backpedal. The British Bulldogs were my favorite tag team of the 80s as a child. All right, let's talk about the Bulldogs for a second then, Tommy, since they were your favorite, uh, so much so that they brought you to tears. Um, what was it about them that you loved so much as a child? Uh, man, I don't know, man. Just just how great of wrestlers they were. They just seemed like great guys. They had Matilda, which was a, a huge factor, and uh, probably a lot of kids. You know, just you know, what what child doesn't like dogs? You know, so I mean that was a big factor in in, in just like caring for them and liking them. Uh, they had Captain Lou Obano as their manager at the time, who was a good guy. 
it was just it was the same thing we talked about demolition it was like the whole package um they were just phenomenal wrestlers especially for their time in 1986 when when they won the tag team titles they were just so far ahead of their time especially the dynamite kid um i don't know man just they just they just captivated me i think you're right i think the fact that they looked amazing both strong muscular guys but they could go inside the ring they could wrestle dynamite kid uh, a technician inside the ropes you know you have you have power teams uh like axe and smash who they weren't going to out wrestle you they were going to beat you into submission or beat you uh into a pin whereas the british bulldogs they could wrestle they had the power moves but they had the speed they had the agility Again, I think it was the whole package, the music, the tights, the dog. I think you're right. I think, I think they had a lot going for them. And, again, they were a team that traveled the world and accomplished amazing things all over the globe. And we only got to see them uh, in their WWF run, which they probably could have done even more in the World Wrestling Federation. But they have already accomplished so much everywhere else. A great team of the 80s. A fantastic pick, Tommy. And, and speaking of angles from tag teams in the 80s, how can you, while we're talking about the British Bulldogs, how can we uh, forget or not talk about the time that Bobby the Brain Heenan's Islanders kidnapped Matilda? Uh, that was, was a classic, classic angle of 80s wrestling, man. Listen, anytime that you can get uh, Bobby Heenan to be involved in an angle, especially one that involves something as unpredictable is uh, a dog, how can you go wrong? <laughs> exactly. Hey, man, while we're talking about 80s tag teams, and obviously we have tons more to get to, um, it, it's hard not to say that even though they weren't a tag team for years and years and years, but the most dominant team, I know you said the top of the program was the LOD, and I can't, I can't say that they weren't. But how can you not say the most dominant tag team in the history of 80s wrestling wasn't Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage, the mega powers? Look, I have, I have them on my list, but there, there's an asterisk next to it, um, only because I, I don't consider them a pure tag team because there were two main eventers that were put together, and they had uh, – a relatively brief run. Yes, it was an amazing run. And yes, as a kid, it was a dream come true to see those two join forces. And they had some epic take team battles against some of the biggest bad guys uh, in the wrestling federation at that time. And then of course, when they explode, that was a huge buy rate for WrestleMania. And again, that was something that was uh, going to be in the history books. It was fantastic. So they are on my list. I just didn't classify them as a, as a pure bread take team. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they're not a real, real, real tag team. I mean, they were for like a year, but I mean, you have to, if you're talking about 80s wrestling tag teams, they were tag teams. So, I mean, it was for a short period of time, but I mean, it, it, they were definitely worth mentioning because, I mean, as a kid, man, God, I was a huge Mega Powers fan. Huge, huge, huge. Let's uh, let's talk about some other tag teams, man. Let's, let's, uh, let's cross the river. Uh, and I know you know what that means. Let's cross the river down uh, south. Let's talk about the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, I mean, if people called up and said they were the greatest tag team ever, it's hard to question that they were, you know. They're still active, aren't they? Yeah, they are, man. They, they I are, think they're still, they still wrestling. Do, they still do shows, man, Absolutely. Yeah, if you're talking 1980s wrestling, you got to talk the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, two just white hot baby faces from down south. L- listen, those guys would sell out arenas. Crowd would go crazy for them. Girls were throwing themselves at them. Listen, yeah, they were amazing. I would love to be able to sit down and chat with them. But what life was like for the Rock and Roll Express in the 80s? Tommy, we got a caller waiting on line one. We're going to get their opinion live on 80s Wrestling Radio. Hello, you're on 80s Wrestling Radio live with Tommy and Jay. Who is this? Caller, are you there? Hello, caller, can you hear me? 
Oh, he just dropped. It says they dropped the call. So he just hung up. Caller, if that was you, give us a call back. The number here is 323-927-2953. We're talking the greatest tag team of the 1980s. I'm Jay here along with my co-host tag team partner, Tommy. Tommy, you brought up the Rock and Roll Express. I'd love to hear your take on those two fellas. I mean, it's it's hard. I, like I said, I'm I'm with you, man. I was a huge WWF guy, but uh, I mean, obviously that me and you, we follow the business and we follow everything that happened. So I mean, God, they were awesome. There's they, there's no question about it. Like they're definitely up there as one of the top teams ever. And and that's me saying that as a huge WWF fan growing up as a child. Um, you have to also throw in that in that ballpark also. If you're talking to Rock and Roll Express, they were married to the Midnight Express. So uh, you have to bring them, them up as well with uh, with Jim Cornette, you know? Absolutely. Hey, Tommy, why do you think the Rock and Roll Express never made it up to the WWF? Uh, I think that, well, I mean, they did, but it was like in the late 90s when they did that whole NWA thing. And at that point, it was, they were far from the prime. Uh, I think that they were one of the, like, I don't know. I, I would say they're one of the key core players of Jim Crockett promotions in the old NWA. I think it, it, it would be equivalent to like the British Bulldogs or uh, I don't want to say demolition, but British Bulldogs. Yeah, you could say demolition. Like one of those like big, 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 huge WWF teams jumping ship to NWA at the time. Just, I mean, it was kind of like when Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson jumped ship to WWF. I guess it could have been similar to that. I don't know why, man. Maybe uh, uh, maybe it was a money thing. Maybe it was a family thing. I'm sure there had to have been interest. I'm curious to know that answer, man. I'm, I'm curious to, to know if WWF ever uh, offered Rock and Roll Express anything to come up there. That's something that we should look into. We should. I'm, I'm sure there's information out there on the World Wide Web about it, but I've never heard if Vince McMahon made a play for them in the 80s or if it was just kind yeah, of – Yeah, me uh, neither a hands-off deal, but it would have been interesting to have them uh, join the World Wrestling Federation at that time and see how they would have fared against some of the teams uh, that were already competing there. I do, I do know that um, in the, in the, I think it was the mid eighties and I believe it was in Memphis. They had a little program with the rock and roll express against the midnight rockers who was, went on to be the, the rockers from Michael Zamardi Gennetti. Absolutely. I knew they did that, but um, yeah, man, that, that that's a really good question and really good thought. Like, I I wonder if uh, if there was ever a play from WWF to bring in the Rock and Roll Express in the '80s because obviously they were huge, huge, huge uh, baby faces. I wonder if WWF looked at them as Southern guys. I wonder if uh, if they just weren't interested in going there. It's a really good question, man. I wonder if. Uh, I know they probably did shoot interviews in the past. I wonder if that was ever brought up. I, I don't know the answer to that, but I would like to. Well, I tell you what, Tommy, there's got to be somebody listening who knows a little bit more about it. If you know anything about if Vince McMahon made a play for the Rock and Roll Express in the 80s, give us a call. We're live right now on the air. Phone number 323-927-2953. Speaking of rock and roll, Tommy, we got to talk about... Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, the Rockers. Now, Marty Jannetty will be appearing at I Play America as part of 80s Wrestling Con 2 on October the 26th. And as you mentioned earlier in the show, HBK will be at I Play America a little sooner than that on July 13th. Tommy, what was your, or what is your opinion on the team of Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels? One of the greatest teams ever, man. I was a huge, huge, huge Rockers fan uh, growing up. Um, and you, you know, you heard all the stories too. Like as you grew older, and, and you heard about like them having problems when they first came up there. And uh, you know, but God, they were so good, man. They were so great together. There was, it was just like it was like magic when those guys were together. And I mean, how? And you said it earlier. How can you forget about? Uh, the barbershop of Bruce Beefcake when Shawn Michaels and Mark Jannetty were on there. And, uh, you know, it was one of the classic, most awesome angles ever. 
um, they were they were awesome, man. They were awesome, and and who can you also forget too? And that match with uh, with the Hart Foundation where they won the tag team titles, and it wound up not airing because the ring broke. Busted ring. Yeah, yeah, man. Definitely one of my favorite teams as a youngster. Definitely a team that I felt should have had a title run. And I'm not afraid to admit to you right now, Tommy, as a kid, I was more of a Marty Jannetty fan than I was a Shawn Michaels fan. Um, wow. I want you yeah, to I was, that. I, I want to tell him that. Well, I promise you, I'm not the first person to probably be telling him that. But, yeah, I was a huge Jannetty fan. And when they broke up, my money was all over Marty. I thought he was going to go on the hot singles run. Uh, turns how, out how it was a little bit off. How happy? And I know we have a caller on the line. Just want, hold on one second. We are right to you. How how cool was it when uh, Marty won the Intercontinental Title against Shawn Michaels on Raw? Oh man, I loved it. I was freaking out. I thought finally, finally, Janetti's gonna get his run with the gold, and he's gonna show the world that he was carrying Shawn Michaels all those years. What if only? What could have been, Tommy? We're gonna go to line number one. Hello, welcome to 80s Wrestling Radio. You're live on the air. We're talking greatest tag teams of the 80s. Caller, who is this? Hey, man, it's Shane from Nashville. Hey, how you doing, brother? I'm great, man. How are you guys? We are fantastic. Good, we're man. Talking, Thank you for calling. We're talking greatest tag teams. Do you have an opinion? I have a big opinion, and I'm talking Two two tag teams, really, and I and I can't put one over the other, but I'm gonna say Road Warriors. The Road Warrior pop was undeniable in the NWA, and then number two would be Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton, the Rock and Roll Express. I love Demolition, I love the Rockers, but neither one of those two could hold a candle to what the NWA had at that time. We can't say we disagree with you, man. You you were you were an NWA fan growing up as a kid. Big time, man. Growing up in West Tennessee, it was all about sure. you know WCW, Memphis Wrestling, NWA, all that. Sure, and and, and I can't disagree with you, man. Like I, I I live in New Jersey, so for me, growing up as a kid, it was all WWF up here. Like we we would get WCW on cable, and uh, I'm sorry, NWA time on cable, but. And we'd watch it, but, I mean, we weren't really – maybe once in a blue moon they'd come up here to the Meadowlands uh, to do a show. But, I mean, everything was WWF up here. So, you know, me growing up, uh, you know, I grew up watching the guys we talked about. But I can't say that you're wrong by saying Demolition – I mean, uh, Legion of Doom, Road Warriors, and, and Rock and Roll Express, man, they're two of the biggest ever. Uh, growing up an NWA fan – I have a question for you. Growing up as an yeah, NWA fan – Growing up as an NWA fan, what are some of the tag teams that you enjoyed watching uh, in the WWF? You know, that's interesting. I always thought of, uh, you know, like I said, the Rockers as sort of a, a copy of the Rock and Roll Express. Um, I love the Heart Foundation, right? So, I mean, those guys were, were, were really good. Love Bret Hart and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Um, really like the British Bulldogs. Um but yeah, it, it was it was really hard to get past, you know, sort of the what I felt like was a copy of rock and roll and uh, and the Road Warriors. Man, it was tough. Yeah, hey, you know, I, I thought this came to my head real quick. I just want to bring it up real quick. I say beyond this to get your opinion as well. Um, you said the Rockers, and that was one of my favorite teams growing up as well. I don't think anyone, and, and yeah, you're you're talking eighty eight, eighty nine. I don't think anyone saw it coming that Shawn Michaels would wind up being the greatest wrestler of all time. I mean, he, he, he just unbelievable, man. Like, did you see it, Jay? And also, did you see it, man? Did, did you guys see Shawn Michaels at that time when he was in a tag team with Orange Nighty? If, 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 if someone put a gun in your head in 1988 and said, the greatest wrestler of all time, would you guys want to vote it then? Because I wouldn't have. No, no way. Um, uh, you, you know, somebody on the show earlier said that they were as much a Marty Jannetty fan as they were a Shawn Michaels fan, and I'm right there with you, man. I, I thought Jannetty was 
could have been a better singles wrestler, was more dynamic, uh, more athletic. Uh, you know, I was more of a Marty Jannetty fan. I was rooting for Marty Jannetty more than Shawn Michaels. And I didn't think that, that Shawn could cut a cut a promo like, you know, like Ric Flair, um, who he idolized. And, you know, those guys have gone sideways in, in recent times. But, um, yeah, I was, a, I was a Marty Jannetty fan, man. Still am. I'm right there with you. I was a big Jannetty fan. I thought he would be the one to be the breakout star. Uh, turns out I think some of his personal life issues held him back. Uh, let me ask you one more question before we get to our next caller. As a Southern boy watching the NWA, why do you think the Rock and Roll Express never came to the WWF during that time? You know, I think they were too loyal to Jim Crockett Promotions, to, to everybody that had sort of brought them up. I, th- I, th- I felt like they were too loyal. I, I think – I never thought they got a formal offer, and I might be wrong on that. You know, I don't know the, the complete history. I, I never thought they actually got a real offer. But uh, I think if, if somebody would have really given them the offer, they probably would have made the move. But I felt like they never did just because they were too loyal to the, to the guys who brought them up and too loyal to the business. You know, guys like Ricky and Robert, you know, they're, a, they're big fans of the business and how they got brought up. And, um, you know, I just don't think they were willing to turn their back on the guys who got them there. Look, loyalty is a great reason to stay where you are. We really appreciate your call. Please keep listening and give us a call back uh, on future shows, will you? You got it, man. You guys take care. Thanks for what you're doing. Thank hey, you, man. Thanks so much, night. Remember, we're, 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 live, we're live every Monday night after Monday Night Raw. Man. Call next week. We enjoy talking to you. You got it. Thanks, guys. Well, Tommy, this is a topic of conversation that people love. We got the lines lighting up. We're going to jump right into our next caller. Been holding for a little bit over three minutes. Let's hear what they have to say. Hello, caller. Welcome to 80s Wrestling Radio. You are live on the air. What's your name? Hey, how you doing, gentlemen? This is Matt Compatello. How are you? Fantastic. How are you, uh, we, sir? We know, we know that voice, brother. That's, we recognize the voice. From New York. How are we doing tonight? We're talking about the uh, greatest of the 1980s. I'm doing very well, yeah. thank you. Hey, man, thanks for calling, man. Who Who is your favorite in the 80s? Ooh, in looking back, uh, as big a fan of Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart as I am, there's one that I will always and forever mark out for, and I'm still surpri- surprised, but at the, on the same token, not surprised they're not in the Hall of Fame. It ha- I have to give it to Demolition. I don't know what the heck it was. I think it was always those spots. You see them a lot with Andre. They get Andre on his knees, the double clubbing, blows to the yeah. back, the way they would, would work the crowd. They worked so well as baby faces, as heels, the matches against the Bulldogs, the Powers of Pain, Rockers, just everybody they went against, they, they brought good matches out of them. I'm with you, man. I'm with you 100%, man. I, that's a travesty that they're not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, they're one of the greatest tag teams of all time. They're huge, large, and late superstars from the 80s. I mean, it's just a, it's just a shame. It's, it's not a shame. It's embarrassing that they're not in the Hall of Fame. And uh, hey, man, you're right in New York. We're going to have them on 80s Wrestling Con 2 on October the 26th in Freehold, New Jersey. Man, definitely come on down uh, and, and and meet them. Uh, they're going to be uh, awesome to have there. And and I agree with you, man. I, that's I just I just can't believe. You know, when you wait every year, and I'm sure a lot of people that are listening right now do the same thing. Like, I'm glued to, like, the wrestling websites around WrestleMania season to see who the next inductee of the Hall of Fame is to be. Because I, I love watching that every year, man. And every year I went to see Demolition, and every time they announce someone that's not them, I'm like, what the F-U-C-K? I'm like, how can they not be in the Hall of Fame? They're so phenomenal. So, I mean, obviously it's got to be personal reasons, whether it was a lawsuit they had against them or, or something. But I think it was, I mean, I think it was in fact, the lawsuit. Yeah, but you know, you know, I mean, it's the point now where it's like it's just like a joke. It's a joke that these guys are not in the Hall of Fame. They were a huge, huge, huge part of WWF in the '80s, and it's just, it's just so stupid. Like uh, same thing with like Brutus Beefcake and Hunky Tuck Man finally going in this year. Uh, up until this year, it was like a joke too that those guys weren't in there. Anyone that was a, a star in the '80s, 
I know, man. Yo, there was a ton of people. Bruno wasn't in it. I mean, he was re- he retired in the mid '80s, but still, how are you going to have a WWE Hall of Fame without Bruno, the longest reigning champion? Demolition at the time had the longest reigning uh, tag team sure. championship streak. How about how about how about uh, King Kong Mundy wasn't inducted in the Hall of Fame? He was in the main event of WrestleMania two. And WrestleMania 35 was in New Jersey this past year. I mean, granted, he passed away. He passed away a month before WrestleMania. But obviously, they booked the the people to be in the Hall of Fame prior to WrestleMania. So the fact that he was never inducted in the Hall of Fame and he was a main event guy in WrestleMania two against Hulk Hogan is just it's just mind boggling. But yeah, man, Demolition is someone that always, always, always stands out in my head. Like, how are they not in the Hall of Fame? It's just it's to the point where it's like it's stupid. Even some guys that were in the tag teams in the 80s, like we talked about the big men last week. What about George Gray, who was Akeem, the one-man gang, teaming with the boss man? Boss man's in the Hall of Fame. The Twin Towers were two of the top heroes awesome. by 1989, feuding with Randy and Hogan, yeah. another tag team wrestler from the 80s and the 90s. Mike Rotundo, IRS, is not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, which is really weird because he works for them. <laughs> Maybe they um, might yeah, put them all in as a family someday. Yeah, uh, who knows? Who knows what, what their mind, their their process behind it? But uh, yeah, man, it always boggled my mind too that they weren't in the Hall of Fame demolition, and the fact that the Rock, no, no disrespect to the Rock and Roll Express because obviously they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame a million times, mm-hmm. but they never had, they never really had a run there like Demolition did. So the fact that the Rock and Roll Express. Went to the WWE Hall of Fame before the demolition did. That's just, just stupid. Just stupid. Sadly, I think for wrestling overall, I think the mindset might be if you take demolition's body of work as a tag team, as demolition out of wrestling, does it, you know, are you really lacking much? You take the Rock and Roll Express out who wrestled everywhere and probably had their worst and most embarrassing times, you know, in 93, say, when they were doing the work with the WWF. You know, I feel like that's considered a bigger strike against it in a way, and that's why they're in. And talk about, you know, people that aren't in, and it's embarrassing. What about Rick Martel, Tony Gurria? Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Hey, listen, man, we'd love to keep you on and talk to you more because we love talking to you. We have a bunch of calls on the line, man. But thank you so much for calling in, and please uh, call next week, man. We'd love to talk to you again. I will. Thanks for having me on, gentlemen. Great stuff. As usual. All right, brother. Have a good Well, like we could do a whole show on who should be in the Hall of Fame. I think you'd get a lot of callers in on that one. But we have a lot maybe, of callers maybe, waiting maybe, on the maybe, line. Maybe that'd be maybe that'd be a future one. I think that could be a future show. We have a lot of callers waiting right now to talk take teams. We're gonna answer the next one. Uh we're jumping in here. Hey, welcome to eighties wrestling radio. You're live on the air with Tommy and Jay. Caller, what's your name? Hey, what's going on? This is Consequence. Consequence. How are you doing, brother? I like that name, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Much appreciated. I like that name, bro. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Consequence. Who you got as your favorite team in the A's, man? Um, I I, I definitely think, hands down, the the Road Warriors were the most dominant um, team of the 80s. Um, You know, even just building off of with the, uh, the last couple callers I heard, I mean, I know this may be slightly unpopular, but I always felt I like Demolition, but I always felt like they were the WWS manufactured version of the Road Warriors. Like the Road Warriors, to me, if you really are like a, if you are a historian of wrestling, like what, how many, if you think about how many, like the power of the pain were put together to counteract the Road Warriors because the Road Warriors ran through every territory essentially and had success like they weren't confined to one you know they weren't confined to the AWA they weren't confined to Georgia Championship Wrestling they weren't confined to the Carolinas and even when they came to the WWE they still were able to retain their their Mystique and, and and everything that came along with them being dominant, um, you know, I, there, there's teams like I mean, you know, for anybody who knows wrestling, like you know, the probably the most uncelebrated team that 
never got a chance to flourish is probably the ultimate warrior and sting. But they went on to be yeah. successful. Yeah, man. They went on to be very, successful that's, solo. That's very interesting one. Yeah. Uh, sting, sting, to me, Sting and Rick Steiner probably are part of the two most uncelebrated tag teams that ever were, which is, you know, and Rick Steiner, obviously the Steiner brothers had, to me, the Steiner brothers had, in other territories, were probably a, a, just a decimal under the Royal Warriors as far as dominating opponents. Um, like the Frankensteiner got invent, invented by Scott Steiner for crying out loud. Like it's a it's a staple move in wrestling. Um, Absolutely, man. But, Absolutely. That, you know, that, that's actually when you when you said Rick Steiner, uh, it, it made me think that no one and I have him on my list. We just we ha- we've had so many calls and didn't get a chance to get to him. But yeah, man, the Steiner brothers. How can anyone forget the Steiner brothers? Because in the late eighties, you know, eighty eight, eighty nine, there were a huge, huge, huge Yo, part. The, like because remember they spawned. The Steiner brothers spawned from the Varsity Club, and the Varsity oh, yeah. Club Absolutely. was is is like a forgotten idea in wrestling. But the Varsity Club was like Rick Steiner, Mike Rotunda, Kevin Sullivan, which like oh yeah, and they and they lit they were beating everybody's face off. I remember as a kid, you know what I'm saying. And so oh, yeah. Scott came in, Scott came in essentially like like. Uh, you know, uh, uh, was ushered in, I guess, v- via the varsity club, and then they, you know, then they just made it to sign, you know, that uh, sp- sp- uh, veered off into being the Steiner brothers, you know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, um, Rick Steiner and Sting, I mean, Sting and Luger were like, you know, sure, I think the fact that they just were just so, so great individually. That a lot of people forget that like Sting and Luger were champs, and you know, so Sting and Rick Steiner to me like two of the best uh, tag team partners that ever, you know, that ever tagged. I mean, even when Rick Steiner was with Eddie Gilbert, like, and even when Sting was with Eddie Gilbert, it was like, you know, you saw that they were gonna be something. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but yeah, I, I definitely would say, I would say the, um, I would say the Legion of Doom. Is definitely Hawking Animal. You know they, you know they epitomize what wrestling, what tag team wrestling in the '80s was about, as far as the look, as far as the moves. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they weren't the most technical, but the Doomsday Device is probably the, the best finisher out of any tag team. And, and you know, yeah, I would say that the Doomsday Device is definitely probably the best the best tag team finisher of the 80s. Hey, Jay, I think we just found the caller of the night, man. I just think we found the caller of the night. This guy, I like this guy, man. Where, where are you calling from? Um, I'm actually the rapper consequence. Yeah, man. That's you know, awesome. So I'm wow. Calling from, I'm calling from New York City. Consequence, awesome. you know your stuff, my man. You know hey, your man, stuff. Hey, man, how did you... How did you find out about us from the Instagram 80s wrestling? Yeah, I follow you guys on Instagram. Oh, uh, brother, I'm going to be following you back the second we get off this phone call because that's awesome, yeah, my, man. My Instagram, hey, is, my Instagram is called TV. Say it again? I said my Instagram is is at cost TV, C-O-N-S-T-V. Brother, I know who you are, my friend. Let me let me tell you something, man. Yeah, that one is huge. Uh, I'm, I, I'm right in New Jersey, bro, and our next convention oh, okay. is coming up. 80s Wrestling Con. Uh, it's going to be in October, October 26th in New Jersey. Bro, I would love to have you there. Just Even if you just wanted to come and hang out and, and get to meet everybody. I, I mentioned it earlier. We have a bunch yeah, of guys. Yeah, my, my son is into it. My son is into it. We watch it together. And, um, you know, I'm friends with Emilio Sparks and, I, and, and, and the New Day and Peter Rosenberg and those guys or whatever. So, you know, yeah, let's, 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 let's figure something out for sure. Yeah, man. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll DM you. I'll DM you on Instagram, man. Thank you so much for calling, bro. That was awesome. Yeah, no problem. That's awesome. Thanks for having me. Wow. Hey, what do you think about that one, man? 
that listen when he, when he first said his name was Consequence, my mind didn't go to the rapper. I thought maybe he was an independent wrestler with just a really cool name. Uh, but once Consequence he, once is he started huge, talking, man. He's worldwide. Once he started talking, dude, I knew that he knew his stuff, and I'm like, this guy's got to be somebody, man. Wow, thank you so much for calling. If you're still listening, man. Uh, I'm gonna send you a DM as soon as we get off the air, man. That's awesome. Yeah, and what was cool about that is uh, he's from New York. If, if, if my if my brain is functioning right, he, he he's from New York originally. I know he says he's there now, but I think he's originally from that area. And for him to have that kind of knowledge of non WWF wrestling at that time, because I gotta believe in New York the primary wrestling you guys were seeing was WWF stuff, but he knew stuff from off the radar from back then. And you can tell big fan, knowledgeable fan. That was pretty cool. Big shout out, man. We got anyone else on hold? Yeah, we got three calls on hold. We got about five minutes. Let's see if we can do three in five. We might have to to go a couple minutes over overtime tonight. We might have to. We're going to jump in on line number three here. Uh, Hi, welcome to 80s Wrestling Radio. This is Jay and Tommy. You're live on the air. Caller, what's your name? Hello, can you hear me? Maybe they want to wait all night long. Maybe. All right, we're going to go on to the next line here. Let's pick up the phone line and see which listener is waiting on the other end to talk greatest tag teams of the 80s. Hi, welcome to 80s Wrestling Radio. You're live on the air. Who is this? Hey, this is uh, Jacob. Jacob, welcome Jacob, to the show. Jacob, what's going on, man? Welcome to 80s Wrestling Radio. Thank you, man. I'm a big fan of wrestling. I mean, everybody had their favorite organization, but me, I'd watch wrestling from a backyard, from a lunch school cafeteria. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> NWA, WWF, AWA, Mid-South. <laughs> well, Jacob, let me ask you this. From the, uh, from the parking lot to the playground to the World Wrestling Federation and everywhere in between, in your opinion, what was the greatest tag team of the 80s? Well, I mean, of course you have the Rock and Roll Express, you have the Midnight Express, you have the Road Warriors, you have... Uh, of course, Fuji Saito. You have Rick Martel and Tony Guerrilla. My Strike Force, Heart Foundation. But my my underrated is a team that I that didn't get a lot of credit, but they should have. But they, you know, my my favorite tag team was the Fabulous One, Stan Lane and Steve Kern. The Fabulous One, wow, great sure. pick, and one we haven't talked about yet tonight, Jacob. What sets them apart in your mind? I think what sets them apart is what 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 hurt them from getting to other places where they were a copy of the Little Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll. They were in that Memphis where where it was like them tag teams that were all together. And then also they never told the true story of how they became the Fabulous Ones from Jackie Fargo. But I mean they used to have they used to have some great matches in the AWA with uh, the Road Warriors. And they would, but you would never see him pop up in the NWA. And I, like, like I said, I understand why. But if they would have came to the WWF from Memphis, I think they would have, and then gave him a background and a story. I think I think they would have worked, or even went to world class. There's nothing more I enjoy than listening to an educated wrestling fan. And for the one of the last calls of the night, for you to bring up the fabulous ones, who I have to admit wasn't even on my list and I, I'm a I'm a diehard eighties fan. Let me tell you something, brother. That's that's kudos to you. Uh where where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from Brooklyn. Wow, that's even more impressive. You you have always been up this way? No, I used to live in Virginia. That's where I used to get all the ah, but go. then I moved up I moved up to the I moved up to uh Brooklyn and then I started going to the garden and then we used to go come here for the summer, and then of course AWA used to be in that, uh, in you know, in Atlantic City or sometimes the Meadowlands. Yeah, man. Do you uh, do you follow us on Instagram? Oh, uh, actually, no. I uh, I saw I saw the promotion on Facebook, and I saw the topic. Oh, hey man, follow, yeah, we well, probably follow us on Instagram. Then I mean on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. It's at Eighties Wrestling. 
we we do uh, a big 80s wrestling con in New Jersey. It's going to be on October the 26th. We mentioned earlier in the program. But follow us at 80s Wrestling on Instagram. And uh, we're live every Monday night at 11 p.m. right after Monday Night Raw. So definitely call back in the future and talk to us, man. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Uh, You too. The fabulous one. Not a bad pick. Uh, Not one of the teams that you said that pop right into your mind, but. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed that I didn't have them on my list. Tom, you can't you can't be too hard on yourself. That for most of us, they're deep in the roster, but it is a good pick. Hey, real quickly, do we have someone else on hold? We have one caller who's been patiently waiting. It's going to be the last call of the okay, night. Let's, let's, let's finish let's your take, and then we'll get to them. No, no, no. Get to them first. Because I've, I've, we have, I have several names on my, on my list that we never got to, but get to the caller first. All right, here we go. We're going to answer the last call of the night. Hello. Welcome to 80s Wrestling Radio. You are live on the air with Tommy and Jay. Caller, who is this? Hello. Can you hear me? It was Conquistador number two. He he, he hung up because we never mentioned them. <laughs> well, you know, we should have had you run down your list before we took that call because I know the Conquistadors are, are on the tip of your tongue and on the top of your list, Tommy. Why don't you run through the names that you had on your paper uh, that we didn't get to tonight? Uh, I have I have the Bushwhackers, who also were the Sheep Herders. I have the Iron Cheek and Nikolai Vokov. We briefly mentioned Tully and Arn, but we really never got into them. Uh, the Fantastics, we never got into Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo. The Rougeau brothers, the Wild Samoans, I don't, I don't know, we never got to them. Uh, the Nasty Boys, the Blackjacks, Strike Force, uh, the Dream Team, I mentioned briefly with the WrestleMania 2 match with the Bulldogs, yep. the Moondogs. Uh, how about the Von Erics? Uh, we never got into them as well. I mean, there's just so many teams to choose from. The, uh, the Steiners we never got into. Uh, I mean, what a great topic tonight. The Powers of Pain we never got into. So uh, it was a very interesting topic, some really great calls. And I, I tell you what, man, I really enjoyed tonight's episode a lot. Listen, it was a great topic uh, with even better callers. Like you said, there's nothing better than talking wrestling, educated, passionate fans. And those are the kind of fans that we have listening to 80s Wrestling Radio. A big thank you to everyone who called in and shared their opinion. This is a topic that you could discuss for hours upon hours. We crammed it in to 60 minutes, but really, like you said, there's so many teams worth mentioning and worth having a conversation about that you could definitely extend this topic into multiple shows. What a good show tonight. Oh, yeah. I, I enjoyed it, man. And next week's going to be an even better show. Uh, next week, I mean, one of the biggest factions ever or families ever in 80s wrestling were the Samoans. I mean, uh, I just mentioned, I can't believe we really, really get into the Wild Samoans because they were obviously one of the greatest teams of all time. They're in the 80s. But next week, right here on 80s Wrestling Radio, uh, we're going to talk about the history of the Samoans in 80s wrestling. And there's a, there's a ton of history on between Afa and Sika and the Samoan SWAT team. Uh, Yokozuna, uh, he was in the 90s, but, you know, he, he came in earlier. Uh, we're going to have, and we're going to talk about his career as well, we have Lance Anoya uh, joining us on 80s Wrestling Radio next week to talk about the history of 80s wrestling with the Samoans. Dude, he was just on Monday Night Raw a couple weeks ago against uh, Shane McMahon. So uh, he's a hot topic himself right now, and uh, he's going to be joining us right here next week on 80s Wrestling Radio. What a show that is going to be, Tommy. Like you said, this young man has big things in his future in the profession of wrestling, and he comes from just a strong bloodline inside the sport, a dynasty of a family. He's going to be here live answering questions from our callers. But when do you get this opportunity to talk to a member of a family whose history runs this deep through the world of professional wrestling? That's going to be a great show. And, absolutely. And, and, and one, there's no question in my mind that he will be a big, big, big WWE superstar one day. And two, I knew him when he was a, a little, 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 little child. 
uh, to the point where I was dancing with him in the ring. Uh, back then, early 2000s, my wrestling promotion did something with uh, off of the Wild Samoans wrestling promotion in, in Pennsylvania. And Lance was just a little kid at the time. We'll, we'll talk about it next week. But uh, he was my little buddy growing up when he was a young little kid. And we'll talk about it. But, uh, yeah, man, he's going to be a big time. And uh, it's, it's a treat for us to have him. Uh, before he hits the big time next week here on Eighties Wrestling Radio, I can't wait! I can't wait to hear the story about why you were dancing in the ring. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll have him tell the story. <laughs> hey guys, thank you so much for everyone that called in tonight. And Eighties uh, uh, Wrestling Radio it just keeps getting better and better every week. I, I, I just, uh, I really enjoyed tonight's episode. I, I love, love, love. Uh, listening to intelligent wrestling fans talk. Uh, Consequence, man, thank you for calling in, and, and, and tons of others, too. I, I think everyone that called tonight was extremely educated with the world of professional wrestling, and that's what we like, man. That's what we dig. I could stay on this phone until freaking 6 o'clock this morning. It's, it's a little after midnight in New Jersey right now. Um, I love talking wrestling, and I love talking wrestling with people that know wrestling. And I think you do too, Jay. So uh, uh, thank you so much for everyone to listen to this. And we're live every Monday night following Monday Night Raw. And uh, until next week, man, thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you next week here on 80s Wrestling Radio.